That's right. We have Dr. Raj Brans, president of the Malaysia Wellness Society, today on HealthWise, where we discuss health-related articles that have recently surfaced. Dr. Raj Brans, good morning. Good morning. All right. Ready to do this? Yes, of course. All right. Our first article. <laughs> when I first read this article, right, I was like, how can R3 fat be good for the blood vessel? Mm. But I guess the question is, what is artery fat and is it the same as cholesterol? When you talk about artery fat, normally we use the word arteriosclerosis. That means, uh, you know, the the deposition of cholesterol, calcium, uh. triglycerides into your artery that right. gets damaged and all that. So that blocks the, the flow of... That flow, that's right. a plug, we call plug. But according to this research, you're looking at the perivascular uh, you know, adipose tissues that surrounds the artery, that sorts of, actually protects the artery rather than, you know, uh, so it's different from what we're talking of. The right, right. So it's not the, the, the fat, not cholesterol, that that yeah, deposits inside the yeah. blood vessel is so the outside, outside fat, layer, okay. which they say actually is very beneficial because it sort of takes away the tension of the arteries and relaxes the arteries from getting damaged. You know, especially when a lot of whatever blood flow and the arteries, you know, is getting distended. So this supposed to be looks like the, this adipose tissue in the arteries, or they call it the artery fat, is actually beneficial. But we mustn't confuse with the artery fat that we talk of. That is normally the arteriosclerosis. That is the one that plaque and that right, 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 right. blocks. Because when I first read this article. It's like it's good for yeah. the blood vessel yeah. function. Correct, yeah. It yeah. can't be. Then, of course, we yeah. read on further and yeah. this yeah. is so a different kind of fact. But it's something new, something new which I never even realized it's such a thing. Like do a, arteries thin out? I mean, like, why do we even need the fat there? I mean, like... I mean, it's just supposed to release the tension. Okay. So, when there's a lot of, let's say, uh, increased blood flow for whatever right, reason, right. maybe this will take away some of the stress on that artery. All right. So, it's like uh, a cushion Cushion, effect. yeah. yeah. In so, if it's, like a cushion if it's beneficial for our blood vessel, can we increase Increase this artery fat in some ways? I think uh, very difficult, isn't it? Because of when you increase the fat, it actually goes outside rather than inside the artery. Mm. So mm. when you try to increase fat, it actually ends up in the wrong places anyway, mm. which is again not very beneficial for health. So I think there's something that's there and that will probably remain. So yeah. we can't say that, oh, oh, I want my blood vessel to function properly. Uh, I'm going to eat increase this right. to try and increase the... Time being, no. But you never know with science. Huh? They right. might be able to come up with some sort of a targeted therapies that can probably one day increase that but right now no definitely not yeah maybe it might work with Mila because everything with me everything just gets fat now this article actually says that drinking too much of cow's milk may actually cause more harm than good I mean from young we were asked to drink milk you know and even now there's like a recommended daily serving suggested by the US FDA Mm. for cow's milk for everyone for children Mm. and adults so is milk as healthy as we think it is? Now, if you look at the school of thought, there are two schools of thought. Uh, one believes that, you know, the, the milk industry is really promoting milk and it's all about money, money. And, but, and milk might not be really as healthy as they say. It cow's is, milk specifically, yeah, cow's right? milk especially. They said, oh, we, we are human shouldn't be drinking cow's milk. And that casein, a lot of people got uh, milk allergies and, you know, uh, yeah, allergy yeah. to the proteins and all that. But if you look at history of mankind, you know, it's uh, humankind. For, I think, hundreds, uh, even thousands of years, uh, people actually lived on milk. You know, in India, it is like, you know, they said they call it the mother, you know, because it's it's the milk from the cows that have fed everybody. Right. And they didn't seem to have many issues with that, you know, and uh, not a problem. But I think what has happened is over the last many years, the way cow's milk is produced has changed. Now they say there's a lot of antibiotics, a lot of hormones put into the animal and uh, the way they are bred, you know, they are all herded together and to prevent infection, they give all this different medication to fatten the cow, they give um, beta agony. So maybe all this has changed the uh, 
what milk is really is. I think there's no such thing as a uh, organic milk. You know, mm. yeah. So it. it's not so much about milk being bad for you; it's how it's produced. I think that's one of the reasons why how it's produced. And of course, I think anything in excess, whatever it is, no matter how good, you know, I've had patients who have taken things in excess which are supposed to be healthy. Yeah. Like I had a lady who took ten liters of water and her kidneys were so big that ten liters. Lost, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> someone said it's very good for you. I had a lady who just takes a lot of fruit juices because they say fruits are good for you and she got diabetes. Oh, no. You know? So sometimes, you know, another lady who's loved nuts because they're healthy yeah. and she kept on putting on weight and not losing weight because it's just calories. That's just so nuts. Same with uh, cow's <laughs> milk. So I think what our parents said was have a glass of milk a day mm. that gave you some calcium yeah. which is, I think, good enough. And I think that's way anything you have, I think it's not anything from nature, I don't think so is bad. Mm. It's just that you must have everything in balance. I'm quite surprised after reading this article that we haven't spoke that much about this cancer, bladder cancer. It's actually the sixth most common cancer among males in Malaysia and there's a 70% chance of reoccurrence amongst bladder cancer survivors. So maybe we can start with like the signs and symptoms of bladder cancer. Yeah, I think one of the things is that because bladder cancer, you know, the symptoms and the signs are evidence quite early, you know, because you get blood in the urine, painful micturation. But isn't it the same as UTI? Yeah, it can. But uh, UTI normally is painful. So the, so sometimes if you get painless hematuria, it's more towards a uh, really uh, also bladder. Pla- painless blood in the urine. Yeah, but okay. you also can get pain. Can okay. also get pain. Yeah, okay. So it can be sometimes confused, you know. So UTI. again, doctors will probably do a culture and then they assess and see if the blood is recurrent then they have to think of you know whether it's a bladder cancer back pains so things like pelvic pain so all these are some of the symptoms of a bladder cancer but because that blood in the urine is sometimes seen quite early and a lot of people actually do a routine test and they can pick up blood in the urine so that's why maybe bladder cancer is picked up earlier before it actually sort of spreads and all that so that's one good thing about bladder cancer and then of course anything any cancer picked up early then it's easier to treat so does it is it treated by via chemotherapy as well uh, again depends on the type of they got f- different types of cancer so I think some of them if they are early urine resection you know they might do operation uh, remove that and then of course then the whole thing about radiation chemotherapy all that comes into play and of course now with new things like immunotherapy so there's a whole different things that the doctors but have is, today. is bladder cancer like there's a tumour in your bladder is yeah. it the same it can can grow, come as a tumour but the different types of cancer there's mm. squamous cell transitional cells so the different types of cancers and they all present differently alright <laughs> well, this study showed that if you eat lots of fast food and sugary foods, your brain function will be impaired. And not only that, you will crave for more of these sugary, high sugar, high fats kind of food. So the question is like, what is it that actually causes us to crave some more when we already had some? Yeah, especially the what we call it the way your the food and insulin interact. So let's say you take a sugar. Sugar has got a glycemic index of 100. You know, white rice has a glycemic index of 90 noodles is about 90 so all this white stuff and uh, of course if you take things like you know sweets and quays and yeah. know, all this, this sugary stuff they're all around the same so what happens is the moment this touches your tongue your body says oh look something is sugary is coming in it releases insulin so when insulin comes out the faster that sugar gets absorbed like sugar glycemic index 100 the more the insulin is secreted and because sugar gets absorbed very fast the insulin shoots up very fast it also brings on the sugar down very fast it takes the sugar put it into the cells and over the next one two hours you can actually go to a state of where high sugar and then because insulin puts it into the cell it goes actually low so you crash uh, it's sort of yeah such like this thing so you go into a state of like slight but we got low sugar or hypoglycemia okay first symptom of hypoglycemia is basically hunger right and you start craving for more sugar because
because you're hungry mm. you know the next one of course will be angry you know and then, <laughs> and then you get irritable <laughs> and then you get yeah uh, angry right okay cool yeah yeah so that that's what happens when you go into low sugar of course the state where you start getting giddy and sweaty as it comes your really? sugar really persists low but okay. most time people get hungry get a bit irritable angry and then they will have to quay or the curry puff there to eat again and they're happy <laughs> and they're happy again and, and then it will happen again happen that again. that peak and then that yeah. low and that's why we get a condition called metabolic disease or insulin resistance because initially when you get up in the morning the cells have got no sugar they accept the, ins- the sugar from the, the insulin puts it in 2 3 hours later it's still sitting in your chair sugar comes in the insulin tries to go into uh, put the sugar into the cell the right. cell say look i don't need the sugar yeah. so that extra sugar the insulin don't know what to do can't leave it in the blood reprocesses it put it in fat and that's why you get fat deposits all get, over that's why you put on okay. so it's it's a, and this carries on and you get a condition called insulin resistance mm. or metabolic syndrome this is a vicious cycle and if you don't break the cycle you're going to go into a condition where obesity high cholesterol diabetes hypertension gout all these diseases come in now in this study they actually found a correlation between the speed of a person's walk with the risk of them developing dementia meaning the slower you walk the more likely you will have dementia how does walking or the speed of the walk actually help indicate the risk of dementia yeah. doctor i think it's basically the speed you know the more faster you walk the more improve blood circulation and basically we know today like the brain and the heart are the same you know improving circulation in the heart improving your heart circulation makes the heart stronger same with the brain one of the things that we happens is that decrease blood supply to the brain as we get older small small ischemic lesions do occur that causes brain atrophy so they actually now say that exercise initially you took talk about you know a lot of mental exercise to keep your brain fit and prevent dementia now they find that actually physical exercise is just as important and they find that people who actually exercise more as they get older have a slower risk of getting dementia if you look at the blue zones very little risk of people getting dementia you know the okinawans the sardinians the, this this five areas in the world one of the things that they have a part of their overall lifestyle is that they all walk a lot you know a lot and of they them, walk fast they walk fast and they walk up hills and down hills and they do a lot of gardening all of them do that you know so it's it's like a continuous walking it's not just they go to a gym for half an hour and do some exercise they are forever moving and i think that is one of the reasons why they are you know living so long with low disease part of course their diet and their culture but i think that's very important most of my patients i find that as they get older everything seems to slow down you know oh i've retired i you know i can't i got pain here i got this mm. you know i mean this is the time you go all the time in the world when you're working you got excuse i got no time no time no yeah. time now you're retired and you say i can't do i can't do i can't do you know it, and i think i find that those of my patients who really active who now have retired spend a lot of times doing gardening walking you know doing all the things also keeping their mind active they actually age very well very fascinating dr rajmans thank you very much for enlightening us once again thank you